Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Alcatraz. Alcatraz, San Francisco's city of convicts. Look at that lady there. She's a hardened criminal. She stole hubcaps with a horrible crime. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm the mellow guy. Yeah. You well, just chill. You chillax, well, yo. I heat and then I chill. <laughs> uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I'm also a film critic of some sort. Uh, I uh, Here and there, I contribute to the internet. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I'm also the co-host of the B-Movies podcast. From whence we hail. With you, Mr. William Bibiani. Yeah, it's from whence we hail. From whence and, we hail. And by the way, just, just before we get any further, kudos if you get the reference in our title sequence this week. Oh. <laughs> not everyone's gonna, but if you do, you, you win bonus cancel too soon points. Yeah. We're not going to tell you what it is. You no. just have to know. You just have to find it for yourself. You explain the joke. It's not funny. Nope. Not funny at all. It's probably not funny at all, actually. <laughs> You, <laughs> There's a reason it's not a famous bit. <laughs> you know, shock of reg- shock of recognition can go a long way. Yes. And there's a graceful way to do that. It's a 1%. We didn't do that, but yeah. there's a graceful way to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this week, on Cancel Too Soon, we're doing a show that we've had a lot of requests for, but it is In also... In fact, it was the result of a Twitter poll. Uh, it was all result of a Twitter poll. It's two result of two things, actually. Mm-hmm. First off, uh, about once a month, we're going to start doing this once a month from now on, uh, we have a Twitter poll, and the listeners of the show get to select which series we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, the first one we did, or the most recent one we did, we tried mm. it once before, uh, was between uh, Kings, uh, Space Rangers... I was hoping it was going to be Space Rangers. I was also hoping it was going to be Space Rangers, but that's fine, that's fine, that's uh-huh. fine. I think, uh, what was the other one? Was it Legend? I, th- I think it was the Dresden Files. No, no, it was the Dresden Files. Yeah. It was the Dresden Files, and the show we're about to do, this one was a runaway winner, but it is also a, a show that has been donated to us. That's right. Uh, we haven't signed up for Patreon yet, we're actually starting to have some serious talks about it, uh, but in the meantime, a lot of people have asked... Because, because we do this for free. We do do this and, for free. And, and we're going to start shaking the hat eventually, but yeah. but we're not yet. No, no, So no. what we're doing instead is what porn stars do. Yes. We have lingerie on a Amazon wish list. Yes, we wear the DVDs you send us and sexy poses, and if you send us the DVD we send you, we don't do that. Uh, we, we could. We could, but we're not going. I wear a lot. But we have a list on Amazon.com. There's a link to it on our Twitter page that is full of television series that lasted one season or less that we could cover at some point on the show, because the mm-hmm. show gets a little expensive after a while, actually. <laughs> um, and a lot of people, like a lot, have sent us shows, and we're going to get to them as fast as we can. Um, and this was a show that someone sent us. Mm-hmm. And it is a little show called mm-hmm. Alcatraz. Alcatraz, 1963. 302 men disappeared. I know I don't believe a word of that, right? Monday, January 16th. We need to find them. I'm going to need some help. With me? All the way. America's most notorious prison gives up its greatest secret. Jack Sylvain, 85 years young. You want to tell me why he hasn't aged? 302 vanished. They're coming back. Three must find them. What happened to you, Jack? Alcatraz premieres Monday, January 16th on Fox. 
Alcatraz. <laughs> uh, this was a show that I, aired I can't, on... I cannot say the title of the show without pronouncing it that way. I know, and it's ridiculous. within the show, whenever there was a commercial break, they would show the title on screen. Yeah. And I would say it quietly to myself, no matter who else was in the room. Say it. Alcatraz. <laughs> We're just going to tell you what that is. We're going we're gonna to do it all the time. We're going to be annoyed. Uh, in Eddie Izzard's Emmy Award winning stand-up routine, Dress to Kill, uh-huh. uh, there was an intro that doesn't always play with the whole thing. which because he was, it, it wasn't broadcast, but it's on the DVD, if you ever yeah. got the DVD for Dress to Kill, which yeah. was released in 99? Yeah. Around there. Uh, late 90s. Yeah. And he, he performed this amazing stand-up routine, one of the best stand-up routines you've ever heard in your life, mm. uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> Dress to Kill was so good. And he and he did a little like short like documentary thing that was like him talking over like touristy footage mm. of San Francisco, but it was him saying that everyone he saw was an inmate in Alcatraz. This woman will never see a family again. She they they've been taken somewhere. They just. <laughs> It's a, not it, it, a very polished bit, well, which is why they don't show it a lot. He's clearly, like, he was given the intro footage, like, and say something, like, to introduce yourself about San Francisco, and he was just shown the footage, he probably just made it up on the spot, uh, and, it and that made like it, it, and that made it onto the t- So, that's how we pronounced it, Eddie Azard says, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. So, now we're showing a sh- covering a show called Alcatraz. So, someone sent us Alcatraz. I wish they had put their name on their note. You can send a note. Uh, with your uh, mm-hmm. gift on on uh, Amazon, if you send us a note, please make sure you send your name on it or send us we'll, like a follow up email so that we know who to credit. But we will read your whole note. The note was: <laughs> This is a bad show, but well, thank you, contributor. <laughs> but it features the actor from Charlie Jade, an obscure show that's definitely canceled too soon. Aired on Sci Fi Network at the coveted Monday three a.m. midnight Pacific spot. <laughs> Watch it instead. Well, we got Alcatraz, well, too, so we did that one. Too, too late. Uh, we watched thir- 13 damn episodes of Alcatraz, and now we're going to gab at you, because, yeah. uh, you know what? I agree. It's, it's not, not a, a good show. It's not a very good show. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a mess. Okay, um, let, let me let me run down the premise for you. Yeah, here's the basic premise oh, of yeah. Alcatraz. Uh, well, first of all, when, when did it air? Okay, well, it aired on uh, Fox. It was a mid-season replacement. It aired mm-hmm. from January 16th, 2012. It aired opposite... Um, Betty White's 90th birthday celebration special. Uh, I think it beat that in the ratings. Uh, and it and it concluded on March 26, 2012. It wasn't officially canceled until that May. Yeah. So it wasn't like an out-and-out out bomb. They just decided, eh, it's not worth continuing it. And, uh, and you can tell because they leave you on a cliffhanger. Oh, a huge cliffhanger. What oh, the a, hell? Oh, a disappointing cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just Redi- unbelievable. Maybe, probably the worst cliffhanger we've been stuck on. I think. Probably so. Like even worse yeah. than Rubicon, which just sort of dropped it, like <laughs> like dropped the mic, but without actually saying anything cool at the right. end, it just sort of ended. This is so, just oh, like oh, holy what? shit! What the fuck? What's gonna happen next? We'll never know. Never know. It sucks. And you know what? I don't care. But uh, <laughs> so tell anyway, us what. Tell us the, so the basic premise of the premise of the show is a a little bit. Uh, this was from the part of the production team that put out Lost. So there's a lot of like mm. mystery and unexplained yeah. things going Some on. Bad Robot, um, executive produced by J.J. Abrams, originally created by Elizabeth mm. Sarnoff, uh, who was a producer on Lost. She also produced Salem, Marco Polo. Uh, and also uh, the Cancel Too Soon series Crossbones, which you've had some requests for. Uh, yeah. Later on, it was uh, she actually stepped down before the series aired, and then it was taken over uh, by two other produ- uh, creators, Stephen Lillian and Bryn Windbrat. Uh, they both worked on CSI New York, Hawaii Five O, and Gotham. Okay. So somewhat so, respectable. So um, uh, Alcatraz is a crime show. Uh, it's the premise is. 
when Alcatraz supposedly closed back in 1963, mm-hmm. uh, the story that you know is that all of the prisoners on Alcatraz were just transferred to other prisons and it opened as a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the real story. What? According to to Alcatraz, all of the all of the prisoners and all of the guards, everybody on Alcatraz, vanished. Uh, in my mind, it was they just sort of poof, out of existence all simultaneously. But it, it could have been, been more than that. More than that. They never the show, show exactly how it happened. But. Uh, th- uh, they, and they all just vanished, and then they started appearing at random points throughout San Francisco at random points in the near, like, 50 years down the line. Yeah, so, so around they, they 2011, 2012, these missing Alcatraz inmates and guards mm-hmm. and other employees at the prison just started popping up, haven't aged a day, don't mm-hmm. know what happened to them. Uh, and, now, and now they're in the present. Uh, now, yeah. uh, we have a, a pair of cops, we have a, a beat cop. Uh, a detective, we have an Alcatraz expert, and we have a guy who knows a little bit more than he's saying, and uh, they are tasked with going out into the world and tracking down these time-traveling criminals. Yes. Um, the criminals, meanwhile, are supposedly like the ba- the worst of the worst, the baddest of the bad. They're all just pathologically horrible criminals. It's so a when monster they, of the week show. When they show up in the present, unique, odd, yeah, and, exciting and, criminal. And when they show up in the present, they have no recourse but to just continue committing the exact same yeah. crimes that they, they did fifty years ago. They never go. Oh, this is great! I have a second chance. I'm just not going to commit any crimes. Nope. <laughs> Not once. There's no logic every, behind every pe- single one. Even characters who weren't criminals, like a guard comes back at one point and immediately begins committing crimes. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird killing premise. People. So I'm, I'm down so far because I was fond of a little show back in the 90s called Time Tracks, uh-huh. which was about criminals from the future escaping into the past, and the cop from the future had to go out uh, to find them. And It, took it was Time Cop before there was Time Cop. Time Cop before it was Time By Cop. By the way, Time Cop had a Cancel Too Soon series. We'll try to get to that. We'll get to that one. Time Tracks lasted two seasons, mm. so that's out. Much to your chagrin. <laughs> it's just a pleasant memory of mine. So the notion of... Uh, I, I wish it was more of a team, but these three guy, these three people tracking down time traveling criminals, good schlocky premise. Good. Uh, I, I think you know, it's a little it, underdeveloped, but it's 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 a schlocky premise. It, yeah. And meanwhile, however, every episode this, like Lost also includes flashbacks to Alcatraz. Flashbacks to Alcatraz in 1960, giving you uh, not just the background of the criminal of the week, but also what the wardens were up to, and the assistant warden, and uh, other and the psychiatrist, and the doctors, and all of the people who were on Alcatraz, and I guess the intrigue that they were involved in, that will usually not come into play in the present, but yeah. uh, usually it's just sort of like backstory to beef out a really limp script. Sometimes it explains <laughs> the motivation of the criminal. Sometimes it explains how the criminal evolved. Mm. Sometimes it's more about the overarching mystery, and you see later on that the the mysteries, mm. you know, like, oh, there are these mysterious keys. What do they go to? Well, in the 60s they were around, and now they're around now. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. It's like Lost. Mm. It'll be really disappointing even if we learn. And <laughs> um, lo, it was. And we'll go through every episode kind of moment by moment but to get you off on just sort of a general sense of how the show plays out um it's two shows fighting each other and it's yeah. not like rubicon where it just you couldn't tell what kind of tone it wanted like it's literally two shows two, two drastically what? differently toned and paced tv programs yeah one with two is, different premises premises yeah, actually one is a fugitive of the week uh-huh. Uh, uh, awkward kind of time traveling detective show, which has its charms, uh-huh. and the other one is a show set at Alcatraz. 
just about just about the relationships yeah. of the prisoners and the wardens. The relationships yeah. of the prisoners, relationships of the wardens and the guards, and also the sort of mysteries going on in Alcatraz. Maybe there's something going on in the basement. There's a rumor that there's still Civil War gold hidden somewhere in the facility. <laughs> like there's all of these sort of mysteries and legends of Alcatraz because Alcatraz has been shut down again for over fifty years. Mm. It still lives on in our cultural memory. It's the prison no one ever escaped from. It's been the subject of movie after movie after movie. Ex- except you if know you're- Alcatraz. If you watch movies and TV shows, everybody could escape Alcatraz. James always... Bond escaped Alcatraz and The Rock. Like that's it was that was cool though. But like still, like it's no, it was. You hate that movie. I hate, and you're wrong. I hate The Rock with you're a wrong. fiery passion. You're wrong. You're wrong about everything. You're wrong about Alcatraz. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the cast. Okay, the uh, cast. Uh, the lead star mm-hmm. uh, is Detective Rebecca Madsen, the beat cop who gets dragged into this vast world of time travel and conspiracies. She's played by Sarah Jones. Uh, you know her from, she had a stint on Big Love. She was also in the Cancel Too Soon series, Vegas. The Cancel Too Soon series, The Wedding Bells. I got it. And uh, the really Cancel Too Soon series, lasted only two episodes, Lone Star. Yeah. Um, and she's she's cool. She's cool. You know what? She's, I, she's I, very she's very generic. She's, top show lead. Very attractive. Yeah, she's very fit. It's the uh, dogged, but not. Doesn't, she doesn't get much to work with. It's the, it's the Dick Wolf syndrome. Mm. You notice that the the lawyers on all of the Law and Order series, like they don't look similar, but they all have the same type of like. T- like sort of character to them. It looks like they were they came from the same factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though this this one's the redhead and this one's the brunette, right. but they're all part of the have, same toy line, and they all have the same sort of very steely model look to them. She's mm-hmm. of that mold, yes. and she's not given a lot to work with. Her character yeah. is not really rich, mm-hmm. um, but I buy her as to somebody who's kind of tough. I buy That's her all as I tough. Buy, yeah. Like again, I just wish she'd had some more character to work mm-hmm. with. Uh, she teams up with an Alcatraz expert named Doctor Diego, quote unquote Doc. Mm-hmm. Soto. He's played by Jorge Garcia, who, of course, uh, was Hurley on mm. Lost, one of the most beloved characters on one of the most popular shows mm. of the century so far. Um, you also know him. He's a regular now in Hawaii Five O. He was in The Ridiculous Six, but nobody's perfect. He was uh, he was on a cover of a Weezer record. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they named their record Hurley because they liked Lost so much. And they put, good sh- but Jorge Garcia, just right there on the cover of the record. It was mostly a good show, and he was one of the best parts of it. Right. So there you go. And it's always nice to see him. He's got a good personality. Yeah, and, and, there a, and there aren't a lot of actors who look like him who get to star in action shows. Yeah, he's... Because he's this big, heavy... Covered in hair, you know, he's, just just he nerdy guy. He's, he's a normal a, guy, he's a big fat nerdy guy. Yeah, and you don't awesome. see you don't see big fat nerdy guys in shows a lot, other than to play a big fat nerdy guy. But um, here he gets to be smart. He gets to be kind of the heart and soul of the series. He's he's great. He he's a civilian. He wrote two books on Alcatraz. Now he owns a comic book shop. He's sort of shy. He's sort of forthright. He's funny. He has a lot more character or personality than any other person on this show. He also has more backstory. We find out that something really traumatic happened to him when he was 11. Like, maybe he was kidnapped and had to escape, but never go into much detail. We also find out that he was studying, I think, to be a criminologist, and then he sabotaged his own career because he didn't want to do that Uh uh, by creating a statistical model for criminals but basing it off of Gotham City, Uh the the city from Batman. (laughs) Uh, The producers of this show, again, went on to do Gotham. So go, go figure there. Uh, their their and boss, that, uh-huh. their boss, uh, who is in charge of the Alcatraz investigation, Emerson Hauser, is played by 
Sam Neill. And you know now, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park mm. or uh, the recent really awesome movie Hunt for the Wilder People. He was also on the TV shows The Tudors and Peaky Blinders. Um, he was sort of their get. Uh, he's he's one of the bigger stars to come from New Zealand, and uh, he's sort of a classy actor, I'd say. Yeah, he always brings he's, a lot of dignity to everything he does. He's been in schlock. He was in Event Horizon and in the Mouth of Madness, but yeah, he's he, he has poise. There's a reason why you make Jurassic Park, mm. you didn't get like a Mel Gibson or a Tom Cruise or the biggest stars of the day to do, and you got... Sam Neill, because Sam Neill will bring something really genuine mm. to a story that requires a huge leap of faith in the audience, a huge suspension of disbelief. Mm. If Sam Neill, this just this towering titan of integrity, yeah. even at the time, he wasn't making big movies, but dead calm, he was really, really good. He's just, whenever he does something, it's always really, really genuine, yeah. even if it's bizarre. Uh, uh, so he's great. He, he's great. Unfortunately, uh, for hi, for all three of those actors, mm -hmm. the dialogue on this show is terrible. Oh, it's awful. Uh, it's, it's so poorly written. And I'm not just talking about plotting. I'm talking about just basic dialogue mm -hmm. and the way they convey information from scene to scene. Mm -hmm. uh, it is blandly obvious. Like, a, a red car will pull up and a like we'll see the bad guy's name painted across the side and we'll say, Hey, that's bad guy's car. Like they, they have to make sure <laughs> in the show, that's all it's supposed to be about like intrigue and mystery and obfuscation. All of the dialogue is like the most obvious way of communicating things to the audience. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually really frustrating how the show communicates. It's, mm. Let's look at the pilot. So the pilots for episode one mm. pilot, uh, and where they chase after pilot. Yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> Pontius pilot. No, they chase after a guy named Jack Sylvain, who's the oh. actor from uh, Charlie Jade. Uh, he wakes up on Alcatraz Island, mm. uh, which is, again, there's a tours and everything, and he just sort of, he wakes up, and he wakes up, like, with a ticket to get out of Alcatraz and, like, a, a, a mm. pocket full of money. And he immediately goes off and kills one of the guards who, like, ruined him and, like, kept him in jail, like, longer than he was supposed to be. And it cost him his family. And he's out, he's out for revenge against everyone who wronged him. Mm. He's really focused for someone who just woke up 50 years in the future. Like, he's there, weirdly focused. And, in fact, there is only one scene in the entire series where somebody seems kind of surprised to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And it's never communicated to the audience or to those prisoners what happened, mm -hmm. why they're in the future, what their goals are, but every single one of them has means. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he wakes up with a pocket of money. Everybody seems to have money and ability to get an apartment and ability mm -hmm. to get a job, social security cards. Like yeah. it's all, they're all in the system somehow, but we never learn how or why. And I don't know if that's because they talk a little bit about like, well, how do you get that old gun? The kind he was an expert with. Well, there must be someone helping him. How are they getting money? How are they getting, <laughs> are they like, getting identification modern, that's up to date? Yeah, modern clothes. Like, I appreciate you can get place like, to stay. Uh, I appreciate you can get shitty jobs on the sly without like references or, mm -hmm. or a link thin profile, but you probably need to prove you are who you say you are. Well, and then, At least be able to say, well, can I see some ID? Like, at least that. And we're already at one of the... To get a job at a hardware store, you we're, know? We're already at one of the fatal flaws of the show. I want there to be... One of them. Well, one of the many. I, I want there to be more nuts and bolts about this time travel thing. This is an mm. extraordinary thing. We have cops investigating it. They're looking into it. We have the ideal means to start constructing this sort of mythology around what's going on, mm -hmm. who might be helping them, how they're showing up in the future, you know, how the time travel works. Mm -hmm. What are the rules of this universe? And once we have rules, we have a stronger premise and we can go about the investigation stuff. Yeah. But we don't get any of that. They're, they're pulling the lost shtick where mm -hmm. there's an obvious mystery at the heart of this, mm -hmm. but we never give anyone any solid answers. And anytime it looks like we do give them answers, what we're actually giving them is more questions. The difference is on Lost... <laughs> 
Lost had a simple premise. Mm-hmm. People stranded on a deserted island. It's a little hokey, but it is so simple that it is like a breaking the ice question at parties. Mm. Like, you, What would a, you do on a crazy crash land on a deserted island? We've all thought yeah. about it, and there's an inherent drama to that, even if there aren't any mysteries. Add a couple of mysteries, and you've got a real dynamite idea for a show. Mm. When your premise is already like three good ideas, <laughs> you, you don't want to add too many X factors. You've got fugitives on the run, you've got time travel, you've got a period piece set at Alcatraz you can't keep everything a goddamn mystery because we're asking too many questions mm. the the whole like oh well you know I've often thought about being stuck a desert, on a deserted island and what I would do yeah well I've always thought about what would happen if I was a cop whose partner was killed by her grandfather who had time traveled 50 years in the future and now tracks down time traveling Alcatraz criminals who hasn't <laughs> that doesn't happen I was having that conversation last week right so our hero... Um, we were discussing Wittgenstein. Yeah. Our hero, Rebecca. Our hero, Rebecca. Uh, she, her partner is su- killed. Su- super cute, by the way. Very Had a crush on this one. Got a good presence. She's really mm. talented. She doesn't have much to work with, but she's good. And, like, the first time we see her, she's chasing after a criminal, and her partner gets killed. And this is, like, her motivating factor throughout the series. We never saw them talk. Yeah. We don't know if she was close to him. And, we don't even know and again, what the crime was, really. There, that they, there they was caught. There was time throughout the series where she could say, "This, this was why my partner was special to me," or "Here, mm-hmm. here's something my partner said. He was very wise. He was a teacher to me." If she had talked about him. Mm-hmm. Then it would be okay that we don't see them talk at the but beginning. It's all academic. It's completely academic. Yeah, all of the emotional and stuff, with the exception of Doc, is pr- and yeah. eventually Hauser is pretty academic. Um, but so it's got that sort of difficult pilot thing where it's got too many concepts introduced, mm-hmm. too much information introduced at once, and some stuff gets the short shrift. But you know what doesn't get the short shrift in the pilot for Alcatraz? If you watch the pilot for Alcatraz, I want you to play a little game. Mm-hmm. I want you to get like a <laughs> bottle of bourbon or your hard liquor of choice, and I want you to take a shot any time the show indicates that it's at Alcatraz. Yeah, when they point the camera at it, they say the word Alcatraz. Because they don't just, at first, they're like, okay, there's text scroll, Alcatraz. Okay, I get it. Mm. Then uh, it says Alcatraz, present day. Okay, I'm with you so far. I get it. to establish we're in two different time frames. Every single time it cuts back to a prison in like a sepia tone, it tells you Alcatraz. And I'm like, I don't think it's fulsome. Like, I I assume it's Alcatraz after a while. Indeed, not only is the the scenes in the past in sort of that sepia tone, they kind of wash out the color to make sure it's the past. They also have all of those transitions accompanied by that audio sound of the bars sort of clanking shut. Like, we don't actually hear it slam. It's just chicka 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 chicka. And there's like sort of this visual effect that they sort of wipe across the screen. Like like the doors on your cell have been designed. They use the same uh, idea in Lost. Whenever there was a flashback, there would be like this whooshing plane noise, like a plane crash. Okay. Whereas the plane is about to crash. And it was an effective audio cue to the extent that I've heard that audio cue used in shows and movies that aren't lost just because people now associate it with flashback. (laughs) That's really funny. So Alcatraz tried to do its own thing and I'm not even against that. But I am Mm. against and I'm 90% certain of this. I didn't actually write down the specifics. Mm. I'm pretty sure after one commercial break they do like a little text scroll that says Alcatraz like Alcatraz present day oh. and then Sam Neill says welcome to Alcatraz <laughs> I fucking get it jeez it'd be funny if like it, it misspelled Alcatraz and Sam Neill st- like it was on screen and Sam Neill said welcome to Alcatraz wait oh you got that wrong <laughs> Sam Neill is assisted uh, uh, in his adventures by Dr. Lucy Banerjee, uh, mm-hmm. who is played... Sangupta. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is also uh, 
She's played by Parminder Nagra, you know, mm. from Bendit Like Beckham, mm. uh, ER, The Blacklist, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's a very accomplished TV actor in particular. And, and it's weird. And, and here she is playing somebody who is unfortunately born without a personality. <laughs> uh, the problem with her character is that her job is to be... It, Inscrutable, which is uh, the the job of a lot of characters mm-hmm. on this show, but her, her in particular, she has to have a lot of secrets mm-hmm. and be kind of shadowy. And well, I think they didn't necessarily know where the show was going I when they started they handing her scripts. So she seems completely lost. Mm-hmm. Like in every scene, she just has this completely blank expression, and I that is deliberately unreadable. And I have nothing to think or say about this character. Because she's got nothing, she's not giving us anything. Let's race through the pilot. At the end of the pilot, they manage to capture the Alcatraz criminal. He Mm. thinks there's nothing left for him. He's killed this guy, E.B. Tiller, who was like this evil warden, uh, Mm. or this evil guard uh, at Alcatraz who had ruined his life. E.B. Tiller, by the way, even though he's dead in the present, will be a recurring character throughout the series in flashbacks, Mm. and I'll bet you anything they regret killing him off in the pilot. (laughs) Because he's pretty good in those flashbacks. He's good in those flashbacks, and he's he's too important in the flashbacks. He's in every episode, and he's Mm. an important antagonist. It's weird that he's not back. (laughs) So... Or, the, or will he be? I don't know. It's time, the show's got canceled. It's, it's time travel. They the could do got, anything. The show got canceled. The, the show will go back in time and reset <sighs> reset itself. That's fine. It'll be an alternate timeline where Alcatraz lasted 12 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where was it? So, so E.B. Tiller. So, so E.B. Tiller. Okay, so uh, again, the Alcatraz criminal gets captured. Sam Neill takes him to a mini Alcatraz. They have yeah, built in a forest somewhere. They have, a, the, yeah, this sort of... Just in for, case they come back. Forest grotto, I guess, where they, they have this underground... And the cell block looks exact. It's a scale model of Alcatraz. It looks exactly yeah. like it's the same bars. It's the same cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like they're even decorated the same. Like mm-hmm. they have to. They set it up exactly the same as it was. As uh, which has got to be a the, cruel joke. When the prisoners right? you vanished, have, you could have just but taken any prison. That cell block is in itself housed inside a giant white gleaming science fiction room. Yeah. So my assumption was that. That this this is just my assumption from the beginning. None of this is in the show. Mm-hmm. That this was in itself a time machine. Uh, and somehow putting these time traveling criminals back into Alcatraz, like exactly as they were, would somehow fix the timeline. Kind of like somewhere in time, where you just have to like sort of focus and like yeah, put yourself it, in the be, yeah. be in the right physical position. And the, yeah. that's not what it. happens, but it's no. a nice little thought. Um, no, nothing so cut and dry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we also meet in the pilot. He ends up becoming a little bit more important later. Uh, Rebecca's uncle. Ray Archer, played by the oh, great Rob Robert Forster, Forster yeah. who got an Oscar-nominated actor for Jackie Brown, was in a lot of great schlock in particular. Like, you watch him in Alligator. <laughs> about a giant alligator. He gives a fantastic performance in Alligator. Like, really great. He, he's a really good actor yeah. who has made some questionable choices. He was also on a Cancel Too Soon series we're trying to track down called Karen Sisko, uh, which was uh, based off of the character Jennifer Lopez played in Out of Sight. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. got a lot of good reviews, uh, but we never were actually able to catch mm. it or find it. Well, there you go. Uh, episode two. Mm. Every episode is after the first episode is named after the Alcatraz criminal they are trying to capture. Mm. This one is called Ernest Cobb. Ernest Cobb, and he is a sniper. Yes, that's his deal. He goes to places and he snipes. 
he's, he's very snippy. He says lots of rude things, and, he, and then that's that. And he's you know he shoots people like, with a gun. He shoots people with a gun. Uh, he shoots people with a very particular gun, his favorite gun, and he also like shoots them after they've taken a, a certain number of steps. Like he has this weird system of murdering people. Yeah, make uh, it, to make it to make it less random again. To make, we, it, to make it like suspenseful. Like oh, it's like a countdown. We don't know how long he's been in the present, where he's been working, where he's been living, but no. he's been doing those things, and he's back to doing criminality. Yes, uh, for some reason, there's no motivation for him to do any of this. Uh, and they track him down and they, they get him. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit more that goes on in this episode. Uh, we, we, at, it, over the course of this episode, mm. he shoots Lucy. Yeah. Kills her. And it looks like she's just like collateral damage. But it turns out later we find out maybe he shot her for a reason. Because we also find out, uh, if not in this episode, I think the next episode, that Lucy... Mm. Was the psychiatrist at Alcatraz? Yeah, it's in episode three where we learn that. And yeah. in episode three, we also learn that Lucy did not die, but she's in a coma. Yes, in the present. So she's uh, really active in the flashback scenes uh-huh. and just in a bed in the present. Yeah, she comes back eventually, but for most of the whole uh, series, first season was supposed to be, but the whole series basically now, she's out of the picture. Mm-hmm. She's not an active participant except in flashbacks. Well, in, in she is very active in the flashbacks. Yes, but in the present, she's just. Mm-hmm. Why did we, did we need her? And Why here's, did we do that? But here's the thing. In the flashbacks, like, the uh, the warden keeps trying to, like, get her to say certain things to certain criminals. Mm-hmm. But she's really just being a shrink. Yeah. She's just sort of there well, so she can get exposition out of them. We haven't talked about the actual warden yet. Uh, right. The warden, Edwin James, played by Johnny Coyne. Uh, this is kind of the biggest role in his sort of filmography. He's had a lot of smaller roles on shows like Once Upon a Time in Wonderland or Turn, Washington Spies. Um He's, he's a guy who brings, like, a lot of character to what could be a very stereotypical role. That sort of hard-nosed, manipulative warden who likes torturing his inmates. But what's kind of cool about him... He's Bob Gunton in The Shawshank Redemption. Basically, he's Bob Gunton uh, in The Shawshank like, Redemption. Like, but, lifted clean. He even yeah. looks the same. He, he looks squatter, but yeah. yeah, he's not, like, a tall, angular guy. Uh. But if you, like, put him in, like, a press, like in that movie The Fly, <laughs> like, and, but stopped halfway through, you get mm. uh, uh, Warden James. Um, warden James... For most of the flashbacks, he's either the sort of cruel antagonist or a guy who seems genuinely interested in rehabilitating people. Mm. He'll give you like, oh, I, I'll give you this job in the in the mess hall and that will give you some focus or whatever. Mm. But then he'll also find some way to absolutely destroy you. Mm. And he's an interesting X Factor. And for a while, I'm like, I wonder what he's all about. And by the time we start finding out what he's all about by the end of the series, and we'll get to that, um, <laughs> I just give up. Basically, yeah, I don't. I stop caring. He's just this weird, because uh, it, I mean, it bizarre com- plot. It kind of comes out of left field. Yeah, he's more important mm. even than you might think. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else special about episode two. Mm. Lucy was shot. And we're moving on. Episode three. Mm. Kit Nelson, uh, with guest star Michael Eklund, who's a rather accomplished character actor as well. Mm. Uh, creepy look, creepy looking dude. Creepy looking, often plays creepy guys. You might remember him from that. Uh, you might remember him from that Holly Berry movie, The Call. He played the mm. serial killer, yeah, put yeah, Abigail yeah. Breslin in a trunk of his car, mm. and that's the whole movie. Basically, is her trying to call nine one one, and and he's he's the creepy killer. It's an okay potboiler. It's it's, it's fine. He's it's good fine. in it though. He's like he's really really creepy, and he plays mm. that a lot. Um, and. Here, he's he's a child killer. He plays a a kidnapper, and his MO is that he kidnaps children, forces them to go through, like, ideal dad-type weekends where they go to, like, diners and stuff. Yeah, and and go fishing. And and then inevitably when they fail being the ideal family, in his mind, he murders the children. Yeah. And uh, now they have, since they know his MO, they know that 
after a child is kidnapped, they have a, a, to- a bit of time before they can catch him before he murders that kid. So it's yeah. a, a race against time. We also find uh, out in this episode that Lucy is not the only uh, uh, employee of Alcatraz who made the time jump. Uh, Dr. Beauregard, the chain-smoking doctor mm-hmm. uh, on Alcatraz. Who, who is on to vape pens in the, the present. Yes, he's like, ah, the one thing that's been improved <laughs> uh, is played by uh, character actor Leon Rippey, who mm-hmm. is on Deadwood. Uh, he was in Maximum Overdrive. He's one of those guys who's just like, oh, it's that guy. You, you know his face, yeah. but not his name. Brings a lot of, brings a lot of mm-hmm. class to everything he does. And we also learn in this episode, I think, about uh, Emerson. Uh, oh, Emerson Hauser. No, we found out in the first episode, Emerson Hauser, the Sam Neill character, mm-hmm. was also a guard at Alcatraz, but he wasn't there whenever the incident happened. Right. So he's been obviously fascinated like he, he by was, this. He was the, yeah, he was a guard at Alcatraz, and he was the fir- one of the first ones on the scene after everybody vanished. But so, yeah. so he's aged 50 years, and now mm-hmm. he's meeting people that he knew 50 years previous. By the time we hit episode three of Alcatraz, something has started to bother me. Mm-hmm. The fundamental idea of the show is we're going to catch all of these horrible fugitives from Alcatraz. But all of the flashbacks, so mm-hmm. far anyway, and indeed throughout most of the series, are about the persecution of the criminals in Alcatraz. How they were treated cruelly yeah, and yeah. unfairly. Well, so, so let me just, let me just finish my thought. Okay. Um, we all know that there are some egregious abuses that have occurred in the prison mm. system, especially in the past before there were regulations. And still today, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying <laughs> it's probably worse. Um, and all of the flashbacks are, for the most part, about how the criminals were horribly abused, made worse people, yeah, yeah. made even more criminal. So they have our sympathy, but at very, it, there's no point where it's just like, hey, maybe they weren't criminals, or maybe they're not bad people just because they were at there, Alcatraz. There was one person like that. And yeah. he was made a criminal by Alcatraz. Exactly. So the <laughs> fundamental premise that because these people came from Alcatraz, they must be horrible monsters, I don't necessarily buy, and I wish we'd had a little well, fluctuation about it, because some of we, we all know some people are... are are incarcerated unfairly or unreasonably, or, if, even or, if they did the or crime. Or the, the incarceration changes them in some sort of way. Now, like we toy with a little bit, but like, still, it's really bit. unfair. It's, it's, well, it seems here, mean to the criminal justice system. By episode three, I realized that, and th- this was my own thinking, that all of the stuff in the 1960s, all of the flashbacks was dead weight. You just need to cut all of that out of the show, because... If you're going to have this kind of schlocky, we're going to chase down future super criminals, the way they were treating those is that the criminals were like super villains. Mm-hmm. They had bombs. They had snipers. They were, you know, pe- people had a gimmick. They were they were comic book characters, more or less. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Doc the, calls them pattern killers. Not yeah, serial so, killers. They just always do the same thing. Yeah. So if you're going to have that. Which I guess would make them a serial killer. If you're going to have this sort of, these comic book bad guys, we don't want to know about them. We need to treat them like they're super villains, and we need to have the cop more time for the cops to sort of figure out their mo go into their backstory invent use the uh investigation scenes Mm -hmm. to uncover their backstory and then we can catch them and then maybe have a scene where we they can sort of cry out and say i'm a sympathetic character maybe the problem with having super villains in the schlocky time travel show (laughs) part of the show which is a different show uh is that, yeah, it clashes completely tonally with this other flashback show, which is really kind of this gritty, more naturalistic drama where we're trying to really get and delve into the uh, characterization and mm-hmm. the, the psychology of these criminals. They're creating too much sympathy and trying to give too much character to these characters who functionally will only eventually be supervillains. So they don't, co- not only are they not complimenting each other, they're insulting each other. I agree with that, but here's, the, here's, my, here's where I differ. I think the flashbacks are the best part. 
<laughs> I think the flashbacks are the good part. When, right. when we everything in the present day with them tracking those killers, it's generic cops and robbers stuff. The characters yeah. aren't as interesting. There's a couple of cool gimmicky action sequences, but like there's a cool bit where like a guy, a mad bomber, like rolls a landmine down yeah, a yeah. sidewalk, and that's cool. Like I've seen that. That's fun. Fine. Mm. I'm fine. But the stuff at Alcatraz is more dramatically interesting to me. One because everyone's in the sort of hot box. You know, everyone's this. There's this Guy, pressure cooker I, constantly. I, I hate building. the pressure cooker dramas. They I just, love they, pressure they cooker. Stress dramas. me out. I know, but that makes some good drama. <laughs> but here's the, here's the other thing is, it's like I mentioned with Lost. Lost was a show that again has a pretty simple, basic premise: stranded on a deserted island. Mm. The basic premise of the flashbacks is, dude, what if you were in Alcatraz? It's just, uh, it just a lot of uh, us have thought I about what we do if we were in prison. It's a it's a scary thought. If it were a a, a bigger budgeted show, yeah. if this was like an HBO program, if it was mm-hmm. like Oz but Alcatraz, that would have been probably a hugely acclaimed show. It would have been great to watch. Fine. Yeah. Um, the way they presented it, you know, sort of in the Fox version, you see sort of like a toothless version of that. Like, half of a show that is a toothless version of that, and the other half is a really fun, mm-hmm. uh, like, 7.30 on a Friday type exactly. uh, sh- 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 cop I'll drama. bet you anything Fox I, was more excited about the cop show than it was about the flashbacks. And so was I! But the <laughs> flashbacks are where the meat of the yeah. show is. The flashbacks are about, like, the sort of the iconography of mm-hmm. Alcatraz, and everything else is just another cop show. There's a mm-hmm. dime a dozen. Yeah. And even the time travel shtick isn't that significant. Oh, uh, well, there's this guy, and he did a bunch of stuff a long time ago, so it's a fucking cold case. Like, another character mm. says, oh, you're doing cold cases. Basically, we're doing cold cases, yeah. yes. Yeah. We thawed them out, like, literally. But, like, yeah, that that's mm. that's all this show is. But the flashbacks are neat. We got persecution, mm. we got mysteries, we got secret things in the basement. Maybe we got an alien in there. Who the fuck knows? All these guys are after keys. What are the keys to? Who knows? Nah. By the yeah. way, by the way, there's no no alien in the basement. No, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, been fun. Yeah. It would have been fun if there had been like something. There's a bit. Well, where if, the... if they were going to do just just the Alcatraz show, then, I mean. then no no fantasy elements, no alien in the basement, no mystery, just well, life in Alcatraz. One thing we haven't talked about is mm. that uh, Rebecca's grandfather is one of the. They call them the sixty threes. Yeah, the people who have from nineteen sixty three. Yeah, Rebecca's grandfather, who was in Alcatraz, and one of the people who disappeared, uh, is back. He's the one who killed her partner, mm. uh, and. She thought he was a guard, but it turns out he was an inmate, and now he's a rather significant inmate. Yes, turns out he might be behind the whole the whole thing. Mm. And when we see him in flashbacks, we find out that he is he's healthy, but he's constantly in the infirmary, and they're constantly taking his blood. Mm. So you're like, what is he special? Is he a superhero? Like, what's going on here? And one thing we do also talk about is the idea that prisoners were used for medical experiments. It's a horrifying thing. Yeah. But that's the sort of thing you can play with. The mystery of this. Maybe mm. we're performing medical experiments on these guys and maybe that's something you can take to a slightly unnatural level. Yeah, yeah. That's a good mystery to deal mm. with. And of course, we do find out over the course of the series that yeah, they did something to him that is responsible for all of this, but we'll never get good answers about it. <laughs> Episode four, Cal, Cal Sweeney. Sweeney, which stars Eric Johnson from a Cancel Too Soon series I really want to do at some point. He was in the rebooted sci-fi channel series of Flash Gordon. Mm. He was Flash Gordon. And sure enough, he is a dash, handsome, blonde <laughs> man. He plays a guy who... Uh, this And this one was directed by Brad Anderson, the guy who did The Machinist. Yeah, he, Brad Anderson yeah. has a pretty extensive TV career as well. That's mm. where he does, gets, I think it's where he does most of his work now. But Brad Anderson did The Machinist. He did uh, Session 9, which is a great little horror movie. Mm. Uh, cool cool director. 
Uh, and Cal Sweeney's deal is he breaks into banks and he steals from safety deposit boxes because he's trying to find the little pieces in people's life that give their life sort of meaning. He's trying to track down bobbles. He's a collector. He's a collector, and he doesn't just collect the diamond. He wants to know the story behind it, and, and he, he'll kill you to get it. He also has, like, a really specific MO, like he seduces mm-hmm. tellers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's about it, really. Moving mm. on, number, episode <laughs> five. There's nothing to that episode. It's like, there's a, there's a, there's a will they or won't they catch him? Mm. They do. Yeah, okay. yeah. Moving on. Episode <laughs> five, Guy Hastings. Um, and this is the one where the criminal who is back isn't a criminal, he was a guard. But he is out for revenge against uh, Ray, Rob Forster's character, because he thinks Ray was right, behind right, right. Uh, like an escape attempt, or maybe he's behind this whole mystery. Um, and so he's kind of out for revenge on a personal level. This is also the episode we find out that Ray uh, is also Rebecca's uncle. And that he didn't just know her father, he actually became a guard, went to Alcatraz, and the implication is he was going to get ready to, like, break him out. Like, there was some sort of, like, that was the implication I got, that there was going to be some sort of plan to get this guy out of prison and reunite him with his family. I, th- I think I kind of nodded off during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot going on here. Uh, the, the the guy is the guy guy uh-huh. uh, is played by uh, Jim Parrick, who a lot of people recognize from True Blood. He had a recurring role okay. in True Blood, uh, written off before the last season, but uh, <laughs> he's a perfectly good actor. He, uh, Rob, it turns out Rob Forster's character was almost recruited by Sam Neill for the same gig, so now they don't have to hide it from him. Mm. Like, now now I'm tracking down time travelers. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that works. See, again, uh, this is where I wish there were a little bit more nuts and bolts. Yeah. Like, she's working on this super... She's still a cop. She works for the SFPD. Mm-hmm. She's got a badge. She, you know, she didn't quit being on the force. Mm-hmm. But now she's been tasked by Sam Neill's, like, secret underground time travel unit. Yeah. And... What what relationship does this unit have to the SFPD? Does the F- SFPD know about this? Why does it There's suddenly look like to the to her bosses? It must look like she's just not doing her job. At anymore. one point, Sam Neill runs into Rebecca's old boss, and mm. they agree to have like a conversation about what's going on. So I think at least the higher ups. Okay. Know about it, but there's not I, a lot of jurisdictional. To, yeah, I want like, there to be arguments. like an ongoing conversation well, about how this is functioning well, and, and the, how her job works. The next episode's called mm-hmm. Paxton Petty, and it's about the bomber, the, the guy, the landmine bomber. Yeah, he yeah. puts landmines in like a dog park, uh-huh. which is like actually really fucked up. Like it's a really <laughs> horrifying sequence when all of them go off. And you see guy's leg get blown off. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, really, pretty it's really disturbing. Yeah, and then he he runs. He's at the scene of the crime. He runs and he rolls a landmine down the street at Rebecca. And that's a, that's a cool bit. Also at San Francisco, Hilly yeah. works. Yeah, it's really, really neat. <laughs> he had the high ground. And uh, th- that episode ends with him. He, they're trying to figure out where he's burying landmines based on lyrics in a song. And uh, yeah. they, they found they found where he was going to bury landmines in the present day, and it's it was a like, beach. And Sam Neill ends up standing on a mine. The idea is that they gave him like this sort of truth serum or whatever, mm-hmm. so that he sodium pentothal, so he couldn't lie. But what he did was he said a bunch of gibberish, and it's not like he was just singing a gibberish song, but actually he managed to tell the truth without being too obvious about it. Mm-hmm. And Sam Neill's character has been looking for like the last of his bombs for many many years, and he never found them. Uh-huh. So it turns it's out kinda... he put it. He put the bomb. It turns out uh, in a place that was like a public park, but he put it there like two days before it stopped being public property. <laughs> so no one has ever found it. Right. That's a funny little bit. Uh-huh. Um, there's also this is also the one that ends with Samuel's character standing on a landmine stuck there for like two hours mm. while uh, a bomb the 
disposal uh, expert played by Makad Brooks, who plays Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl now. My, uh, uh, oh, oh no, kidding. Yeah, yeah, and he's he like sacrifices himself to save su- Samuel's life. Super handsome dude, by the way. Cool guy, and yeah. a decent actor. He's a good performance. Uh, like he he showed up, and not not only did my wife's eyes light up because he's such a <laughs> handsome guy, but. Uh, his relationship with Rebecca was so strong that I was hoping he'd become a regular on the show. Sadly, he sacrifices himself. Yeah. He dies by the end of the episode. Say la vie. Episode seven is about Johnny McKee, who is a serial poisoner, and he likes to poison jerks. Ah, the he poisoner. finds a jerk and he poisons them. Ha ha! That's it. Moving on. <laughs> There's not much to it, really. It's just, it's just Monster of the Week, and then they catch him most of the time. Yeah, see, if if if, if that's your premise, yeah. I'll say it again. If, the, if your premise is just Monster of the Week, commit. Embrace that shit. Embrace that, that, that your premise is kind of shallow, and you can have a lot of fun with that. Monster of the Week, there's nothing wrong with a good Monster of the Week show, and nope. that's what I was longing for when I was watching Alcatraz. But yeah, it's, it's hmm. they spent right. so much time just not doing Monster of the Week stuff that they shot themselves in the foot. They they mess with the formula in a really good way, and I think this is my favorite episode of the show. Episode eight, the mm-hmm. Ames Brothers. Oh, there, yeah, this one was pretty. This fun. one's fun because this one, uh, the Doc and Rebecca are on Alcatraz in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. It's dark and stormy, and two of the sixty threes show up, mm-hmm. and they're here. For the gold. <laughs> there, there is, there has been Civil War gold <laughs> hidden under Alcatraz. Okay, see? Schlock. Love it. Yeah. And Even we're the good. the flashback is Schlock because they're trying to steal the Warden's keys because they think the Warden's keys go to this place where the Civil War gold is. Uh, now, it's a stupid idea, but it turns out these guys are threatening, funny, mm-hmm. intelligent. So, basically, Rebecca and Doc are trapped on Alcatraz with a couple of smart killers who want to mm. access all the private areas of Alcatraz and so it becomes this kind of when, tense little little potboiler. We, we mentioned keys. I think they show up in this episode but uh, oh, yeah. uh, somebody in, I think it was in this, actually in the sniper episode where uh, somebody broke into a, a drawer in somebody's house. No, the first episode. Just, Jack Sylvain oh, okay. steals, steals from some random guy we don't really know too a, much about a, him. A really big cool looking skeleton key. Yeah, a key that doesn't look like it goes to anything normal mm. and then uh, in the uh, bank robber episode. It turns out one of those keys was also in a safety deposit. There you box. go. That's right. So okay. two keys have been collected. The mm. implication is that these keys are really super important. And in the flashback uh, in this episode, those guys steal those keys. Mm. Now, it turns out they're not the keys they were supposed to steal to get where they wanted to go, but they're really important keys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Decent MacGuffin. Uh, the Mac- keys go to something. A MacGuffin. MacGuffin. A, a, an ongoing mystery. I didn't know how many more keys were going to show up. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with it. It's yeah. fine. This, is also, this episode also guest stars the great Frank Whaley. Yes. <laughs> Frank Whaley. <laughs> Frank Whaley is from, so wonderful. He's great. He's from mm-hmm. Swimming with Sharks. He was from that opening bit in Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. uh, where uh, say, Samuel Jackson does his say what biblical again. speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's always, always great. And he mm-hmm. turns out he is... He was a guard who was in on the gold heist. And then just everyone gets killed, basically. It's just this deadly episode. And then in the flashback, we see the warden like go into the door that those guys almost broke into. They just had the wrong keys. He goes inside, and there's, and there's a, a huge pile, pile of gold. gold. And he goes, doesn't he doesn't he pick up a bar and doesn't he kiss it or does he just sort of think, talk to it? I think it, he no. caresses it a little bit, yeah. like, ha ha ha, my gold. And I'm like, <laughs> you've got the keys to that. Someone is. Someone handed you the keys to that. Yeah. No one has taken this gold yet. No one has taken the gold. That's what you're telling me. I don't buy it. What was the name of the film that Frank Whaley directed? 
Oh, was it uh, went to Coney Island on a mission to God? Be back by five or something like that? Uh, no, it, it's. I thought oh, he did gosh. That. Oh, maybe he did. Yeah. No, yeah, went to Coney Island on a mission of God. Be back by five. Yeah. Yeah, he he played a, a character. He's credited as Skee-Ball Weasel in that film. <laughs> but he's he's directed some good films as well. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, super talented. Uh, he mm. was recently on uh, the TV series Luke Cage, and he was in Monster Trucks. He was in Monster Trucks. <laughs> he played the deadbeat dad. There's another Luke Cage connection coming soon. But let's talk about episode mm. nine, Sonny Burnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an episode. Uh, there's a there's a kidnapper played by Theo Rossi, who is also on Luke Cage. Um, <laughs> Oh, wait, there are two Luke Cage. There are three Luke Cage connections. Holy shit, there's going to be a lot of Luke Cages here. Um, Man, would you shut up about Luke Cage? It's a good show. I'm sure it is. Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy. If it, if it gets Cage. canceled, we'll cover it. He plays a kidnapper, and in the 60s, he kidnapped like a young, like a 14-year-old girl mm. uh, and held her for ransom, but the ransom was never recovered. And now he is back, and he kidnaps that girl's husband. And there's actually a cool twist on this one. I actually liked the story on this one. It had an unexpected mm. deal where it turns out she stole the ransom money from him. And that's yeah, why he's right, out for right, revenge right. against her. So I'm like, okay, that's that's kind of cute. I like that she double-crossed him. That's, there's a lot of fun there. This is also the episode where we find out that the 63s have magic silver blood. Uh, no, they don't. Magic silver blood. Let they don't, that sink in. They don't bleed silver. I want to say that. I wish they had. God, I wish there so was, cool. like, somebody gets grazed by a bullet and, like, mercury pours out of the wound. It would have been so neat. It would have been neat. It would have added, uh, like, a weirder... Vibe. A weirder vibe to the entire thing, but uh, but yeah, they've they've been doing stuff to the prisoners. They've been blood. injecting them essentially with silver. Yeah, and now they can and, heal from anything. All yeah, of their medical now, conditions in the '60s are gone. They 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 later on in the show, some will see what see it happen when somebody gets injected with silver. They'll wake up and say, "I feel great," in that weird sort of superhero way. Uh, so yeah, they essentially have super po- healing powers. Yeah, and they're, they're like enhanced super criminals. Yeah. S- Still no explanation as to not, why they go back to a life of crime. Not a good explanation anyway. Well, some of, this, some of them are indeed hardened criminals, and they mm. have a reason to. But again, there's supposed to be hundreds of these people. None of them just hide out. Mm. Presumably in future seasons, there'd be some nuance or some variety, but they'd find not like a, here. They found a halfway house of ten of them. It's like, yeah, we're, we're turning our lives around. We got a fresh yeah, start. It's, it's fantastic. We're, we're, we're happy. There's also the episode where Sam Neill realizes that if he wants to get Lucy, who it turns out in the past he dated... And they were that's right. They, they were. Con- they were. This is something that's been building over the last couple yeah. episodes. Flashbacks where he goes on dates with Lucy. And, yeah. yeah. So he has a real close connection to her. He finds out he can save her from her coma if we find one of the sixty threes who has the same blood type and then give her a transfusion. Mm-hmm. Which indeed they do <laughs> eventually, but not in this episode. I think the it's first. The ne- couple, I think it's the next episode. The first actually, couple yeah. of times they try. No, it's oh, actually, no, it's, it's, it's two three, episodes from now. Two the episodes. Next one, the next one is the one with Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, Ali, who just won an Academy Award. Just won an Academy Award and also co-starred on Luke Cage. <laughs> ah, jeez. Mahershala Ali, like we, I watched this episode like the day after the Oscars. Like, <laughs> he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for Moonlight. Mm. Well deserved. Incredible actor, and even though he's got like this weird, not very good subplot in this episode, he's really good in this. He's good in this because yeah. he plays the only character who has any sort of uh, moral ambiguity. Because yeah. in the past, he, uh, we learn when he was imprisoned in Alcatraz, he was innocent. Yes, uh, it's kind of unambiguous that he was innocent, but yeah. uh, he's trying not he's, to let prison life get to him. He's yeah. given a job as a cook, and he seems to be 
staving off despair pretty well. There's a good there's a good uh, thing here. So he was a cook in real life, and it turns out that he was like the first black cook at a white country club. Mm. It didn't go well. Mm. Someone ended up killing his girlfriend and he got railroaded because he was black. He's not wrong about that. And there's even a subplot where like another inmate ended up joining the Black Panther Party. Mm. Um, so they actually talk about the idea that yeah, they were black inmates. Mm. Like there's actually like we probably should have dealt with that more often. It's kind of odd that they had to wait this long like deep right? into the show to bring it up. As we but, see uh, in this episode, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Like yeah. I know they were kept separate because of the time, but like they never once even alluded to that Probably in any of the episodes. Of yeah, all, all of the criminals have been white, yeah. white, white so there's far. A, and there's a good subplot even on, I think even you'll agree that the subplot in this episode at Alcatraz is kind of cool. The warden wants to rehabilitate him because he's a really good cook and their food sucks. <laughs> like, he puts him in the kitchen. It's a good detail. And then, but all the white prisoners riot because they don't want to eat food made by a black man and it mm. makes everything worse. Meanwhile... Lucy has been trying to use sort of clockwork orange technology to sort of remove traumatic memories from hardened criminals mm. so that they it's, won't want to be criminals anymore. It's more anymore. like Manchurian candidate stuff, but yeah. Yeah, yeah well, they, there's like there's like a montage of like they, traumatic they, that's imagery. True. They hold their eyes open and get yeah. Them, yeah, yeah. The doctor decides, okay, so it might work to get people's like criminal impulses out of their brains. Can we put them in there? Yeah. So they do that to Herschel Ali. Why would you do this? And so what function does this serve? They, they Who the fuck knows? So yeah, he wakes up in the in the present, and now he has he's all Manchurian candidated out, and mm-hmm. he's he, he's starting he to fall, commit the he crimes has, he didn't commit in the first. He place. has blackouts where he's hypnotized, and he, while he's blacked out, he commits crimes. So yeah, he's committed crimes, even though he's. I don't know why. It's never explained why they want him to do this. Why they need him to be I, a Manchurian candidate. Mean, yeah. but it's like it doesn't really like. There's got to be something, right? I mean, what's uh, the and, point? Like they don't even say, "Oh, I just wanted to see what would happen," and now he's in the present, being let loose with this programming, and it's, he's out of control. Really not even that is brought up. No, no. not really. Uh, the next, so episode, he becomes kind of a kind of a tragic figure, but he's he's the most interesting criminal, I think. The next episode is Web Porter, which stars Rami Malek mm-hmm. from. Uh, Mr. Robot, very popular show right now. Yeah. Um, he plays the, a criminal. The man, the man with an angel's jaw. <laughs> he's he's got big, he's got, big eyes. Big, big, like Peter Lorre eyes. Like very expressive. Big, you can big, see why he made a big, big splash. Big dark eyes and a big yeah. sharp jaw. Handsome dude. Yeah. He plays a criminal, and I'm trying to remember what he was even in prison for, but the idea is that he has constant tinnitus, Mm -hmm. and Lucy, in an attempt to rehabilitate him, gets him on a music program where he starts playing whatever is in his head, and it ends up being pretty good, very experimental, Mm -hmm. exciting music on a violin. And now that he's in the present, he wants to pursue a career as a violinist, but he also likes to kidnap women and cut off their hair to string his bow. Why does he do this? They do not say... There's yeah, there's no explanation for it. There's That's no... just his mo. He kidnaps women, he ties them to a bed, he he puts them all in the same slip, which is weird. Yeah, or they just all have the same underwear by coincidence. It was but, a, you uh, know what? We were running out of money. The costume department only had so much to work with. All, I guess they so. all had the same slip. They watched it. Don't worry. And and I love that when they finally break into his apartment when he's not there and they find all of his bows. It's like aha, blonde brunette, <laughs> and here's a redhead. You know, it's like the the, the women he's he's uh-huh. been kidnapping have been. Uh, and here's now, a purple vi- one. He must be really excited about being in the future. The uh, human hair doesn't make good bowstring. Uh, <laughs> that's why they use horse hair, and it's heavily rosined. Uh, they the the premise that he's stringing bowstrings with human hair it would it would make crappy sounds. So well, he goes to these auditions, and he's constantly rejected with these human hair bows that he's making. 
It's not no even, wonder you're making crappy bows. It's not even all that creepy, really, because again, he's just cutting off their hair. Now, like, he, and I'm glad that it's it's creepy he's, that he's kidnapping them. He's but kidnapping like, them and keeping them chained up, which is creepy. That is but creepy. Yeah. But and then, the idea of using their body parts mm-hmm. as a musical instrument is it's, this isn't Ed Gein shit. This is mm-hmm. pretty standard. Hair. Yeah, when I, was, I even said, well, I was, why doesn't he just hang around barber shops and just yeah. sweep up the hair and Problems make it that up. way? Yeah. There's a uh, uh, there's an episode of Hannibal, mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, television series based on the Hannibal Lecter novels um, and they also a lot of the time kind of use the monster of the week uh-huh. serial killer of the week storyline but the difference is that in Hannibal the serial killer of the week was usually like batshit weird yeah. like just grand guignol <laughs> yeah. horror like this one guy made I have a to totem sleep. out of bodies he's been killing for 50 years I, I so there's this like 20 sleep. foot tall corpse statue on the beach you're like holy shit <laughs> I only murder women who are 7 foot 6 or taller so I can sleep inside their corpses that's the yeah, kind of so, shit yeah. that would happen on Hannibal it would be better than that but like that's the kind of shit they did an episode uh, where a guy ends up and I think it was even uh no, I'm not going to... I don't remember who the actor was. Right. They had an episode where the killer was killing people and using their guts to make violin strings. Like, like strings you, like, on the violin. Like cat yeah. gut. Like, like you don't do that anymore, but he was doing it. And it was, it was kind of a... One of their more out there, weird episodes... <laughs> but it worked. All right. It worked. I don't well, yeah, the actor's name. It's going to bother me. But, but yeah, yeah. Here, here he's just making bowstrings, and then when he fails, he goes back to the kidnapped woman and murders them. Basically. So, it's just, my gosh, that's such a stupid MO. <laughs> it's it's not great. Mm. Uh, but it turns out like he really was, in his own way, trying mm. to be rehabilitated. See, and so. here, there's there's some interesting stuff. We haven't been talking about the actual cops a lot, because they're, they're not really given a lot. But uh, there's an element in this which kind of promised the kind of show that I was always hoping Alcatraz would become because uh, Doc keeps trying to accumulate more information about Alcatraz as he goes. He wrote two Mm. books. He was very, very thorough. He knows the names of all of the prisoners who vanished just sort of off the top of his head. And when they're sort of investigating this musician, they find like records and films of the musicians at Alcatraz, which Mm -hmm. no doubt is a real thing. That's an interesting kind of detail. And they could have used the entire episode to explore the history of music on Alcatraz and sort of the evil that could have come from that. But they spend so much time with uh, Lucy in the past and all of this Mm -hmm. like flashback stuff and sort of the, the characters growth from being a recluse to being somebody who played a violin to, somebody who kidnaps women for some reason uh, is Mm. just obfuscates the most interesting thing, like the most interesting element about the investigation. Uh, The actor uh, Mm. was to, uh, his name was Demore Barnes. Uh, He's going to be on American Gods. He's on 12 Monkeys. He's a very recognizable actor. That was a driving ass. That was the actor. Oh, okay. (laughs) That was driving me up the wall. I knew that name. From Hannibal. Yeah. Uh, The next episode, Mm. and we're starting to wind down. So uh, Uh, Web Porter ends up having uh, the same blood type Mm. as Lucy. So Lucy wakes up. At, That's yeah, the at the very episode. end of this episode, she, yeah, her eyes blink open. So in this episode, she's back in the present mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And again, she doesn't come. She doesn't wake up with new revelations. Or just now that, or just now that, like Rebecca and and Doc know more about Alcatraz, she doesn't say all the things she's been keeping a secret. She even flat out says to Rebecca, "Ask me any question, and I'll answer it. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm, there's no reason to keep you out of the, in the dark anymore." Uh-huh. And she just asks her point play questions. She just says like, "I don't know that." Fuck you. There's a bit in law. Well, to, to be fair, it's like she had a list. It's like, okay, well, I've had these questions I've been yeah. wanting to ask. Let me pull out this 
tome of questions I've been meaning to ask. It's really annoying. There was an episode of Lost. Mm. I had this really elaborate Lost drinking game worked out, and one of the rules was... (laughs) I remember. Someone Uh is asked a direct question and doesn't answer it. Mm -hmm. It's really annoying. It's bad enough when they're not direct, but when someone just flat out says, hey, what's this? And someone who knows the answer goes, it's super important. And they, or they just walk away. They yeah. just don't say anything. There was an episode. I think it was in like the beginning of the last season or the end of the se- second to last season, where Locke, the character played by Terry O'Quinn on Lost, like mm. the kind of the linchpin of the series, maybe not the protagonist, but the most important character in a lot of ways. Um, he is with Linus, the leader of the others, the guy who seems to have every answer you could possibly want, mm. and Linus needs Locke. and he just flat out says, "Fine, I'll tell you anything, anything you want to know. Just I'll any answer. I'll mm. tell you." And Locke just says, one of the questions everyone has wanted to know since episode one, Uh point blank, says, what is the monster? Yeah. (laughs) Now, I was with, like, a crowd of people. We had Lost parties. Just everyone Mm -hmm. I knew who watched Lost. We'd get together every Wednesday. We'd make hors d'oeuvres and we'd watch Lost and play the drinking game. Uh, And everyone cheers like, yes! Finally a direct question. They're going to ask a direct question. Linus is going to have the answer. What are you going to say, Linus? And Linus says... I don't know. And then they no longer ask questions. Uh, it would have been great. It would have been better. Like, and it would still would have been frustrating as hell. But if he says, what, what is the monster? Well, let me tell you. And then like an arrow flies into his throat. <laughs> that like, would have been better. That yeah. would at least been funny. <laughs> yeah. This was just a cruel tease with Alcatraz. Again, there's only so many mysteries. We just want to know. What happened? We want That's ninety percent of we, it. Just we want. Happened? We want to know what happened. Well, and how'd you get here? And the other, the additional mystery, the keys, and we get yeah. to see. And I think it's in this episode we learn that there is a third key. We have two keys, and uh, they go, both go into a big uh, cell that's been walled off yeah. in the basement of Alcatraz. This big sort of looks like a bank vault. And he, they put in two keys, turn them both at the same time, and a little tiny door opens in the vault door. For another, another key! Another key! Oh, no. And we've seen the warden. There's this guy who ended up being really manipulative. He screwed over the Flash Gordon dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and the warden took a shine to him. And he took him into that mystery room in a previous episode, but we never saw what happened. He just sort of pushes him in, and I, I assumed it was like Dracula's space hole. I assumed there was like, something yeah, really there was supernatural something going really, on. Yeah, really, yeah. Or there's like a ghost or a demon. So, That's some, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Some, or an some, alien, some something, ma- magical something that would explain all of this. Nope. Wizard magic. But I don't care. It's really important in the next mm. episode. In the next episode, uh, Garrett Stillman is another one which has actually a really good mm. flashback plot. The warden is trying to get that guy, that guy he shoved into the Dracula space hole, uh-huh. uh, he's trying to get him pardoned. Not pardoned, uh, uh, on parole. Yeah. Trying to get him on parole, but he knows the parole board will never do it. Mm-hmm. So he gets he hires a, a, a... A forger, essentially. A, a, well, not a forger. He uh, hires a, a, a brilliant yeah. thief, like yeah. a brilliant bank robber. She says, hey, listen, you have like less than 24 hours. You've got to replace... The order not to give this guy the, the rejection letter with a you've got to replace it with letter, an actual yeah. one, and I can't help you. Oh. <laughs> but if you do this, I'll give you like you know a lot of power, like in the prison or whatever like that, mm. and you'll, you'll have a sweeter time mm. here. And it basically it's like this cool little heist story in Alcatraz. And so there's actually like story in yeah. the flashback in this one. It's actually kind of a fun um, little tale. It's it's not like rewriting anything. It's not it's not like rewriting the script on how to do a heist story, but it's clever. There's a couple of fun little twists and it really really works well. And in the present, he is going through an elaborate plan uh, to steal from a reclusive billionaire who is that parolee. <laughs> he got out of Alcatraz, he ended up making billions and is now like fucking Howard Hughes and like even the president can't get an audience with him, we find out. Um, and it turns out 
he has one of the last keys and he's actually like in it with the warden. The mm. warden in him conspired to basically make him a billionaire mm. so that in the future he'd be a billionaire. And now Rebecca's grandfather is and some of the other inmates, they're trying to steal his shit, trying to get the keys, mm. trying to go into Alcatraz. And, and we, we get to see a little bit more with sort of the process of injecting them with silver. And we see uh, yeah. Rebecca's grandfather gets injected with the silver and turns into more or less a supervillain. Yeah. And uh, at, and it turns out the, the criminal of the week had the key. Yeah, they, they, they find the they find the third key. Yeah. So uh, we finally open up that vault and we yeah. see a bunch this of. This is the last episode. This is the last the episode. Vault. They open up the vaults and it's not a time machine. No, it's it's the hatch from Lost. It's, it it looks like the hatch from it Lost. Looks like it's got outdated Lost. like if, computer machinery. If it had a pod or a green laser or something that looked like a time machine, I would have been totally satisfied. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Instead, it's instead, a computer with a map of the United States and little pegs that show you where all of the inmates are supposed to have turned out. And, and the big not, revelation is they're not all, all in San Francisco. Francisco. No so fucking shit. What, what does that so mean? So what? I don't. Uh, How are we? So, we're, that doesn't excite. Whoa! Next season, they might have to go to Texas. Okay, like, I'm not super Although, impressed. Although, if, if they had called the next season, like, Alcatraz colon Las Vegas, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> so that's the big revelation. Uh, Rebecca ends up, like, confronting her father, There's a, her grandfather, there's a big car chase, which isn't uh, actually very well shot. Well, you know what? You know why? Because mm. the shots were taken verbatim from Bullet. Oh, that it's yeah. the you know it's the car chase from Bullet and they had, like the close ups and the mm-hmm. angles were all taken from Bullet like yeah. some of the curves but they're they're not playing it very well like the well, act, she doesn't look like she's really into it it's also like, weird it's because the, this the, the cops even the chases work really kind of low rent it's mm-hmm. TV chases it's all foot chases and stuff it's yeah. the first time we had sort of an action sequence of this caliber and it feels totally out of place yeah so uh again the warden injected uh her grandfather went through a bunch of stuff and that caused him to go into the future and i guess he can do it to other people that's the best we got she and then the and uh and then Re- uh, rebecca is a uh, shot in or i guess we see at the beginning she's stabbed or is she shot she, she gets she gets a wound in her side. She's grievously wounded she by gets, her grandfather. Her grandfather grievously wounds her. She's rushed off to the hospital. Uh, Doc and Rebecca spend the finale in the hospital not seeing any yeah. of the new information. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sam Neill and Lucy, they're the ones who go into the hatch. And they find out, they find this guy who like showed up in the last episode. Turns out he was in on it with the warden. I love when they when the, her grandfather asks this, this new mystery guy, mm. who are you? And the guy who's about to give him a transfusion just says, transfusion. And I'm like, he's Mr. Transfusion? If he would call Mr. Transfusion, that's fine. Kind of a cool villain name, actually. I kind of <laughs> like that. That's, that's kind of neat. Um, <laughs> he pulls and, off his mask, and he's nervous, nervous. Yeah. and That's an it, obscure joke. But here's the ending. The ending uh-huh. is, this old guy is now one of the 63s. They found him. Presumably he has more answers, but because he's evil, they probably well, won't say anything. He, he appears while they're exploring the vault. Yeah. Like, from the past. He just yeah. sort of lands on the floor in front of him. Yeah. There's no, like, light show. They're just right there. They, yeah. That's all that not happens. Not terribly they're, exciting. What are you going to do? But they kind of get up and they're past. So that knocks them out, this process. But the, yeah. the episode ends and the series ends with they find that guy. They find the hatch. 
They find out the 63s are showing up all over, at least America. They don't yeah. really go much further than that. And Rebecca dies. Yeah. Flatline credits. And that's the it. end. So the, the pr- most dissatisfying ending the prote- of any show the we've protagonist ever had to deal with. Doesn't, series so doesn't get any kind of catharsis. Uh, she <laughs> confronts her grandfather and is injured and doesn't get any sort of revelation. Mm-hmm. The characters that we've been following, the two main cops, like the avatars for the audience, aren't present when for the all cool of stuff. When all the information is finally given us, yeah. and then one of them dies, cut to black. And the information is not satisfying because it just has more questions. Yeah, I, I remember when I, I was watching this series and I was sending you a text message. It's like, I was really afraid that they weren't going to tell us what the keys were for at all. Like, they yeah. were just going to keep... That was going to be a recurring thing as the show went on. I said, are they going to tell us what the keys are for, or am I going to be disappointed? You said... The answer is yes y- and yes. And yeah. <laughs> you're going to find out what they're for, and you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, which I was. Uh, yeah. It's not a... It's a bad show. And here's my thing. It's competently problem, produced. It's competently produced. The cast produced is good. Via, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's fighting itself. It's two different shows laid on top of each other. They yeah. don't mix very well. And it suffers and from... Interesting. It suffers from lost syndrome in that they assume the audience is going to be intrigued if they withhold information. And there's a difference between skillfully withholding information and dicking us around. Well... And... I feel like Lost actually did a lot of dicking around. They had entire episodes devoted to information that could have been revealed in like a single sentence of dialogue. But here's the difference with Lost. If you look at the first season of Lost, mm. just the first season, I, I realize it hit the skids pretty fast after that. <laughs> first season of Lost is a great season of television. They do a really good job introducing plot points and following them through to an extent. There's this plot point on Lost where Locke, the Terry O'Quinn character, he's in the woods, he's doing his thing, and he finds a hatch. Like mm. a bomb shelter hatch in the ground, and he's trying to get inside. Okay, because there could be anything in there. Mm. Might be really important. There might be supplies. There might be answers. There might be could be anything in there. Yeah, really yeah. It's a mystery, not just because there's a hatch in the ground, but because a character we like becomes obsessed with it. Mm. The keys, no one becomes obsessed with them. They're just no one is super element, excited yeah. about them. The characters are not interested. The characters aren't even that interested in the time travel. They're only passingly interested. Doc should be geeking out about this. He's a comic book nerd. Mm. He should be talking about this all the time. His interest in the mysteries <laughs> should guide us through the mysteries. And we never get there. Yeah, if, if Again, if they had spent less time with the criminals and more time with the cops mm-hmm. and sort of their reactions to all of this, then it would have felt more natural. It would have been a lot more exciting to watch because mm-hmm. we would be able to be astonished through them but since we have so little time with them we have so little time to be astonished uh there's only a few even just vaguely human moments like where they go to get dim sum for breakfast because that's mm. rebecca's thing rebecca loves dim sum more than any human should and i love dim sum <laughs> it's fantastic but like she will like eat like four orders of dim sum mm. it's it's humanizing it's, yeah, it's yeah. a and, character trait or, or when uh when doc gets a crush on the cute pathologist woman uh-huh. that, that's kind of cute there's and, a cute and, they, there. and then the, and then the pathologist and rebecca go out and play pool together and have yeah. a drink we need more scenes we need a lot more scenes well, the pathologist like bit was actually there's some subtle storytelling in there because she doc is uh uh not a conventionally attractive guy and you can mm. sense that he's sort of awkward around the opposite he, sex. he feels like she's out of his league she feels yeah. out of his league and, and indeed from a superficial perspective if you're being uh, a jerk about if you're it you being could, if you're being sizest yeah you you could argue that yeah okay i can see why he'd get there he she takes off her like her smock from like doing an autopsy uh. and she's wearing a golden age sandman t-shirt and he's like oh, 
cool. And he points out, you're a Golden Age Samurai t-shirt. That's really, really cool. The yeah. next episode, he sees her again. She's wearing a different Golden Age Sandman t- t-shirt, and uh. you know she wore it for him. Aww. She's like teasing yeah, guess, him. Yeah, it's yeah. a cute little well, bit. Well, because he sees it and he brings it up. He's like, oh, I love Sam. You know, I own a comic book shop. Like, he gets a little too excited. Yeah. The way you do when you talk to somebody you have a crush on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was a good little little interaction. That was nicely handled uh, character there, Another problem is that the ensemble isn't big enough. We sp- well, like, it is, like, but it isn't. It's it is, big, but, it is. but it's not big enough in the present. It's that, that, that was my point. Like, we have a whole set of characters in, the, in 1960... Uh, who are all sort of have their intrigue and their interactions. And the present, they said in the promo, it's like hundreds have vanished. Three will find them. Why not seven? Why not have have an entire team or, you know, people who have expertise? Dude, I know that's a really cliched setup, like the bombs expert and the computer expert, whatever, but it at least would have given me a handle. Something a little, like a a familiar dynamic that actually can be used for a a schlocky, we're going to track down super criminals. I was under the impression that they were going to build to that, that like the... Yeah, uh, they were going to add cast members as we go. The the autopsy specialist was going to uh, Mm. uh, join the team, perhaps, at some point. They do also have... Uh, it turns out that Doc and Rebecca are not the only people that uh, uh, Hauser works with and that there is a room in Alcatraz with like a bunch of data specialists and analysts yeah. and they're kept separate. Get those guys in on the when action. They, when yeah. they finally like get to go inside the mystery room mm-hmm. in the last episode or the second to last episode and they meet some of these guys and get a little nerdy about it, there's one little detail. I'll bet you anything was in there as foreshadowing. Uh-huh. They walk past a grate. You know, like a like a like an air vent, uh-huh. and you'll notice that like in movies, air vents are always big enough for people to crawl through. <laughs> Which, in fact, there's an episode where Rebecca crawls through yeah. an air vent. It, to get it a happens bad guy. all yeah. the time in TV, and in reality, air doesn't need that much space. It really, <laughs> you, really you doesn't. See, you see that vent in your apartment yeah. that I'm pointing to right yeah, now? Like a you, rat would have trouble getting through. That. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not big. Like that one. That's one of the jokes of the movie Ant Man was that mm. you need someone the size of an ant to get through an air vent. <laughs> like it's like you couldn't do it. Mm. But they go inside the room and the air vent is like five foot by five foot and I just know there was going to be an episode where Doc Head was going to have to crawl through that in the future I can't plan that out and it was like because Jorge Garcia is like a 300 pound man yeah so, he's not yeah. a thin dude he's going to have some trouble getting through like an, even like a normal TV sized air vent so you have to set up early on so it doesn't feel like a cheat but there's a huge air vent I, you know what I'll, I'll give you that <laughs> That's prob- they probably had that in mind. Yeah, they yeah. wanted. They want Jorge Garcia probably said, "Yeah, I've always wanted to do one of those air vent crawling scenes, but I'm a big guy, so I never get to do that." You know what, Jorge Garcia? We're gonna build you. We're a gonna vent. build you a vent just so you can have a scene like that in season two. Well, it was never to be. Poor Jorge. <laughs> um, Alcatraz. Where would it have gone? In, okay. In, well, if here, it had lasted a hundred episodes, because here, you know what, it as much as you know. What we're talking about, you know, I, I like the schlocky cop show. You like the Alcatraz sort of gritty realism yeah. show. Um, it wouldn't have gone in either of those directions, unfortunately. It would have gone... I mean, it's already up its own ass, and it just would have gone further. Yeah. Uh, it would have had, like, more shadowy conspiracies. There's other time travelers from other prisons, mm. perhaps, or yeah. somebody who has been, you know, has known about this the entire time, mm. who's a key player who's in Albuquerque, and they have to go track down a, a separate enclave of criminals. The reclusive billionaire has been in league with a foreign power this whole time. And it, and it turns the out... The warden that, was a good guy all along. And it turns out now they can time travel to a certain point in the past and start influencing things 
things that happened in Alcatraz in 1960. And it would have been just doesn't so, sound fun it anymore. It would have been really it? convoluted, is what yeah. it would have happened. Like even more than it already was. Yeah, I don't think and, I would have wanted to. Here's my dream for the show. I would love to go back in time, ironically <laughs> enough, huh. and and do the show and and have again at least the first season. Just at Alcatraz, the, just the just the characters. It's a it's an ensemble cast of interesting, mm. exciting you know villains with big personalities uh, being manipulated by the warden. Sometimes they're taken into the basement. Sometimes they don't come back. Mm. There's a big mystery. What's going on in the basement? Why are they taking everybody's blood? Everyone occasionally has like a big plot. There's an escape attempt or something. Mm. Oh my god! And then at the end of the first season, we finally see what's in the basement. Some guy goes into that basement. There's a big, you know, fade to white, and then he wakes up in present day San Francisco. That's the that's the the season finale. (laughs) That's a cool show. That you do not know where that's they would not cancel that show. Everyone would be like, shit. Because here's the thing. You say like, you know, it needs to be like an HBO or Showtime show. They had the prison. They use it every episode. You have the, they have I that assume, set. Yeah, yeah. I assume I think after the first a, episode, there wouldn't be yeah. as many flashbacks just because it's more expensive to have that set. They had the set. Use it. I don't care about all this other stuff. It brings up a question I've always had about movies and TV. When you have a, a setting that mm-hmm. they use in a lot of movies and TV, and I, I think about this about the Oval Office in particular. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to shoot something in the Oval Office, is there one stock Oval Office set somewhere <laughs> in LA that everybody goes to when they need to shoot something in the Oval Office? They're, they're, or do they're, they have to build a new one each time? Uh, sometimes, sometimes they do that. Uh, mm. I was, I think it was the American President. Mm-hmm. Used the same Oval Office that they used on the West Wing, or vice versa. Okay, like they just left it. Yeah, or, yeah. or, or oftentimes they'll they'll share it. Uh, Doctor Who is you know a series that's well, kind of expensive, but it's also they, they well they they plunder the BBC vault for plund- whatever they got. Well, so, they also yeah. plundered HBO's Rome. HBO oh, spent a yeah, lot yeah, yeah, yeah. of money on Rome, a, a good series actually uh, about so they, ancient Rome, but it was super expensive. The, the they one, built a huge the one set. Pompeii episode. It yeah. wasn't Rome; it was yeah. Pompeii for but... the Doctor Who episode where they went to Pompeii. Mm. Uh, they said, "Well, hey, do you mind leaving that set up a bit longer when you're done with it? We'll just pay you, like to rent it or something like that." And then they had a really cool set for like the first time ever. <laughs> I mean, Rome is a classic example of a show that was like really well written, really crackerjack show. It was so expensive to make; they had to cancel it. Yeah. Just not yeah. wasn't worth the trouble of mm. Kings and Prophets, another show we covered on the series. And, Same deal, was not worth the trouble. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna get to almost human soon enough. <laughs> similar, similar problem. A really expensive human. show. So uh, here's here's the last question. Mm. I think you know where we're gonna land. <laughs> but just so we can been, say we asked it, yeah. it's how, how we end every episode. Was Alcatraz canceled too soon? No, no. it was not. Uh, no. It's there. There, we've. We've said it all, um, but yeah, it's 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 a big mess. Again, there are talented people involved. Mm. There's a couple of fun episodes. The Mad Bomber episode is really really fun. The episode where the guys are trying to find the gold in Alcatraz is really really fun. The heist episode inside Alcatraz where they're trying to get that guy mm. uh, paroled, even though he's not supposed to be. Mm. That's also a fun episode. Uh, but it's. Just kind of the same episode over and over again most of the time. The and mysteries if, and, aren't if, that mysterious, and it's not an exciting premise. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna stick with a really familiar premise, you gotta color it up. You gotta give mm-hmm. colorful characters weird habits. Uh, get a Joss Whedon type to write. You know, somebody with like really snappy dialogue. Um, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it was a. a 
it was a bit of a chore through only a, a certain couple episodes, and then it was just disappointing at the end. Yeah, it's, it's like it's not hard to watch. It's just not terribly exciting. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I'm actually like a little surprised it was such a runaway hit on our Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. And you argued that it's mostly because it's probably the most recent, recent show we had Yeah, it's probably the recent memory people, vote. Yeah, yeah it's like, I remember kind of watching that. If you loved Alcatraz, like if you loved it, and you're seeing mm. something in it that we don't, write us. Yeah, let us know. We use the email, uh, same email for both of our podcasts. It's bmoviespodcast at gmail.com, all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can write us, let us know what you thought of Alcatraz, let us know what you thought about any of the other shows we've covered on the series. You can suggest more shows. The list for suggestions is very long. If you send us a show, we'll get to it as fast as we can, but even that's backlogged. <laughs> um, so, uh, but we love hearing from you. We love hearing your suggestions. We love hearing your ideas. We love hearing... Uh, uh, Everything. We love hearing about yeah. you and your loves and your and your happinesses. Mm. Do we have any letters uh, to um, read in this episode? Uh, we do. Let's see. Nick Bear writes in. Okay. Uh, he's written in before. Yeah, Nick's awesome. Uh, he, oh, it's a picture. Okay. Of, of Dave the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Dave do you remember the Dave the Barbarian? And, Vaguely. Uh, there's a picture of Dave Bar- the Barbarian and a subtitle on the picture. I'm going to read the subtitle. Thinking quickly, Dave constructs a homemade megaphone using only some string, a squirrel, and a megaphone. It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny bit. Yeah, so... Um, Dave the Barbarian is now on our list. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't on our list before. See, it's mm. always... there's always What I love about the show, every time you bring up the topic, someone has a different show. And oftentimes yeah. it's one we've never heard of. So that's awesome. Uh, We're totally going to uh, put that on the list. Donnie writes in. Okay. Donnie says, uh, love the podcast, especially since I don't remember any of these shows. <laughs> Vaguely remember Point Pleasant. I'd love for you guys to do The Cape. Oh, we'll do we the, have cape. the Cape. We have The Cape. We've had the, the, the Cape, when we first came up with the idea for the show, like, what, four years ago Something now? Something like that. was a while back. The Cape was, like, the, one of two shows I bought. We bought Birds of Prey, and we I, bought, I bought The, the Cape. cape. <laughs> <laughs> We've done Birds of Prey, we'll get to The Cape eventually. Well, and in <laughs> fact, uh, I was a guest on Crave Online's now defunct uh TV podcast, oh, yeah. the Idiot Box. Yeah, uh, we for, for April Fool's Day we swapped hosts. Yeah, and I was the the co-host of the TV podcast that week, and uh, I watched an episode of The Cape uh, at my you request. Liked the Cape, didn't you? Uh, well, I, I I don't really remember it. I yeah. I felt it had a lot of premise to be something dumb, uh-huh. and yeah, not a lot of promise, but a lot, a lot of premise, a lot of a lot of premise. <laughs> And it was about a guy who wore a cape, and the cape was his superpower. Neat. And it was called The Cape. Neat. What uh, do we got? He says, as a lifetime comic book fan, I was super excited for The Cape when commercials started airing for it, and the pilot actually had a really cool, zany, Silver Age comics feel. As the series went on, it got a little stale, but it was still pretty fun. I'd love to hear your take on it. Thanks for keeping up with the good work. Donnie. Uh, you know, The Cape, five seasons in a movie. <laughs> five seasons. Was it six seasons in a movie? There was a recurring joke on Community yeah. that The Keep, uh, uh, The Cape... Needed oh. six seasons in a movie. They were trying to get it out. <laughs> Somebody gave us some lottery numbers. We'll have to play. Oh, shit. I forgot to play those. <laughs> shit. Thank still, you for reminding we still me got them. We still got yeah, them. Yeah, someone, someone presented, proved that they had psychic powers, and we so, did not So he gave us some, uh, some lotto numbers. Thank you for he that. Gave, he gave us a set for each of us. Yes. So uh, you, you get a set, and I got a set, and we'll have to okay. play those. Shit, uh, this one comes that. from Hayden. Uh, he says, please, for my birthday next month. And uh, What month is this now? Uh, we're currently recording in uh, early March. Yes. This was written in late February. Okay, so we're, so we're not yeah. that far back. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, Sometimes we get back. Uh, hello, please, for my birthday next month, do the Ferris Bueller TV show. <laughs> I'm pulling the birthday card. <laughs> he said, he doesn't want to give it exact, but he says it's between the 23rd and the 26th. We, we are doing something kind of like Ferris Bueller next week. Uh-huh. Uh, so we don't want to follow it up with Ferris Bueller too quickly. If we didn't already have plans, we probably would have done that, but we planned yeah. these out about a month in advance. 
Right. Um, except for our listener mm. requests ones. But uh, we will... We Actually, we don't have Ferris Bueller at the moment. Right. We need to track down Ferris Bueller. But we, it is on our list. It was one of the first things anyone ever saw Jennifer Aniston in. <laughs> uh, she replaced Jennifer Grey on that series. So yeah. we'll get to that. And uh, we, we do have a, a letter from George White, but it's a, a pitch for a really... Uh, Bonkers show that he made up, so uh, it, it 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 would take too long to read on we the air. We still need but, to do George we'll, White's time gimmick. Was it time, so, George White who did the time? Yeah, gimmick? yeah, yeah. We still need to do that. George, Remind me, we'll uh, do that when I get back from South by South. George, you are our most ambitious listener. Uh, we appreciate your fathomless information about uh, Canadian and Irish and British, uh, and Italian and Italian and just a European he, world he, television. He knows his stuff. He knows he his really, stuff. Really He's very well learned. We have and to we give appreciate other people some opportunities so, to, to talk. Uh, but uh, we uh, do read your letters. A fictional show is really great. We're, we're going to read it to ourselves. Uh, yeah. But uh, thank you for writing in. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Absolutely. And yeah, once again, if you have any any questions, queries, challenges. Yeah. Uh, Comment. Send... Want, to know Want to know more about us as individuals, like mm-hmm. where we come from as TV viewers, critics, mm-hmm. everything like that. We'll answer all your questions. We love hearing back from you. And again, the email is bmoviespodcast, all one word, mm-hmm. no punctuation, at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and uh, this week, uh, you can also find me on the movie trivia Schmodown. You did it again. I did it again. I can't tell you uh, whether or not I won, but I can tell you it's a really fun episode. Mm. Uh, and you'll be able to watch that on uh, Friday, March 10th. I think it's March 10th. Mm. Um, so if you like the show, check it out. I did some shout-outs to Cancel Too Soon. Hopefully <laughs> you'll appreciate that. Next week, uh, I will actually be out of town next week, so we're going to pre-record mm. next week's episode. So if you send us a letter in the next few days, we haven't got it yet. We'll get to it next time. Next week, we are doing... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Now, when I've pitched this... The second Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. A lot of people remember the animated series lasted two seasons, and for the first season or so, Mm. uh, Alex Winter and uh, And Keanu Reeves did their own voices. Yeah. And then in the second season, they were replaced by the actors who played Bill and Ted on the show we will be doing. Yeah, the live action sitcom mm. that aired uh, in, uh, in on Fox in the early 1990s. Mm. Uh, it is a weird, weird, weird program. And it's going to be one, even if you haven't, even if you don't remember it, I know some people only listen to the show if they remember the show that, that we're covering. Mm. Listen to this one. <laughs> this one's fucking weird. It's pretty, it's, it, it's gold. It's gold. It's pretty good. It's not 100 Lies of Blackjack Savage good. But it's pretty fucking cool, and I'm really glad we discovered it. Uh, so that is it for Cancel Too Soon. Am I forgetting anything, Whitney? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> you got it all. Great. I think we're good. Well, then that's uh, a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. <laughs>